All right, well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, again, my name is Pablo Madrigal. I am coming to you from beautiful Mount San Antonio College here in Walnut. And uh, basically, so we want to share our experience with you uh, as to how to, you know, how do we manage our credit courses through contract when we get those uh, opportunities. And uh, so, well, I'll, I'll talk, but then if you have specific questions, uh, I'm okay if you interrupt me, or we can just wait till the end, and then we'll just uh, handle all the questions uh, when we finish the presentation. And Paolo, I am trying to move the slides, and sometimes for some reason it sort of locks up. I don't know why. Okay. All right. So, is, is so this your first slide? Yes, good. So basically, we're not going to talk today about uh, contract education and apportionment. Uh, I know that some people are interested in that. I am not an expert on that. I know the basics and uh, that I'm not comfortable really talking a whole lot about because uh, there's a lot of room for interpretation, especially on Epcode, and, and uh, there's two or three different interpretations out there that, that I don't want to deal with. Then next slide. I'm hitting the button. I don't, I, I apologize. It's not responding. Give me just a sec. Let me go and back. And we didn't do, we, we do need to do this slide, Paolo. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. All right. So basically, contract ed means those situations when we uh, have a client who is interested in our services, whether it's for uh, specific uh, customized training or credit courses from our college catalog. Uh, credit means exactly what it says right there. Any classes offered through uh, community college credit, whether they, uh, they uh, generate a, a portionment. Uh, Non-credit refers to the, you know, the same criteria for apportionment, but it does not generate credit. And then not for credit is basically what we do, which is, uh, you know, community services, contracted, and in some cases we could do contracted uh, and use uh, credit courses to deliver our content. Okay, there we go. This is what we'll not talk about, okay. Exactly, so, uh, and that's another thing that we're not gonna talk about, but I just wanna mention it, you know, instructional service agreements, uh, are out there and they are in uh, different uh, ed code and regulations out there. The one thing about this is, and that's why I don't like to talk about them, is because it's, it's open for interpretation and also really difficult to meet if you want to do a, a, a contract class, a contract credit class, and still claim apportionment. Uh, there is 16 different um, uh, points that you you must comply with, and uh, it, it puts it can put your district at risk of of just not not compliant. Period. So, what uh, we do though is contract for a fee uh, with credit classes, and we've done this actually with mostly uh, uh, 
school districts, and we've done it with the uh, LA County Office of Education. We've done it with the uh, California Franchise Board and a couple of other uh, institutions out there. And, and, and if you've noticed, that they're mostly uh, public institutions. So uh, private entities, what we've done with them is we've given them uh, a lot of input as to how to implement uh, reimbursement uh, programs for students when they take credit courses in our campus and uh, and you know especially if they only have one or two they can't hold the whole class but uh, basically uh, our uh, what we do is we find our clients uh, they we usually do an assessment with them. They usually tell us exactly what they want if, if it's related to credit. And then um, and then we go ahead and, and serve their clientele. In this case, their designees. Paolo, are you using your headset or are you speaking into your handheld receiver? I'm speaking into my handheld. I'm getting some feedback for some reason, but that's... Well, well, let's see if it goes away. Okay. Okay. All right. So a few things to keep in mind when, when uh, and again, this is our experience. This is uh, the process that we follow. Uh, you, if you're doing this, you might be doing it a little different, but basically this is what's worked for us. Uh, once we have a client and a client is asking us for something specific, uh, and I'm going I'm to go back to, the uh, California uh, Franchise Board, for example, they do have a, a program within their uh, uh, within their institution where there are promotions attached to a uh, an education path. So if their employees uh, follow that path and if they take this and this and this class, which they sponsor, uh, they move up uh, the ladder and they either go up onto uh, a higher position or they uh, there are races attached to their accomplishments so they you know they last time we uh, provided a credit course for them they wanted a math course and they knew exactly which math course it was and uh, and so that's your course selection so they came and tell, told us okay this is the class we want and then you work with them just like any other credit class. No, it's when do you want it? Where do you want it? Uh, you know, times. Uh, uh, you know, you have to keep in mind that you know the, there are classes, especially in credit, where you can work with the number of instructional hours, but there are minimum numbers of hours that you need in order to deliver a class. So, for instance, a, a three-credit uh, class needs minimum 48 hours of instruction. Most colleges will probably schedule that class at 54 hours, which means that you know they still have a couple of hours just in case they, they, there are there are absences or something like that. So, always have to keep that in mind. But you're not attached to the school schedule, meaning that you can just go ahead and, and offer them. Uh, the times for the class as as it fits them best, and also you need to uh, make sure that 
uh, if there is a prerequisite for the class, number one, that the students do meet that prerequisite, or that you make really good friends with the people in that department, uh, that instructional department, to see if you can work out a way to waive those uh, prereqs, which many times it is possible. So, again, we usually, as a process, we first the first person we contact after we have a, a contract and we know which class we're teaching, we contact the chair of that department. Why? Because this is the person who will find you the qualified instructors that you need, uh, and this is the person who will know whether or not those instructors uh, are in jeopardy of overloading for that term. And then if that is the case, because we found that once uh, it did happen to us, we had an instructor who, by taking our class, was overloading himself that one term. So we were able to get a temporary overload uh, assignment for him, and, and that still worked. But then again, you have to work within the rules of each uh, division and department. Uh, so I, I basically, I make sure that I make really good friends with these uh, folks because they are the ones who will get you not only not only the uh, qualified instructors but also the best ones that they think will fit what you do. So there's a lot of conversation behind this because you have to make sure to to share how you know what the dynamics there are for uh, classes off campus, especially for contract ed and the type of populations that we serve. And they they're usually are really open to that idea and they try to help you as best as they can. Uh, now, uh, again, I mentioned before that the class does not have to follow the uh, regular schedule for your college. Uh, you, you can you can just schedule the class for mornings, evenings, afternoons, whatever is best for your population, and also you know whether it's two hours a day or three hours a day, it's up to how, you know, how much they, uh, they can lead, let these employees out of their desks and, and come to your classes. 99% uh, of these classes have been on-site for us, uh, which is great because that way we don't have to use any of our facilities right here. And we don't run into issues with parking and all of those things, which for the most part, uh, you know, change the uh, your contract because then you have to work that into your contract and make sure that that if they, they are coming on campus you must uh provide them with a parking permit meaning that you know uh, in our case we instead of pay here 40 actually 60 dollars for a parking permit so multiply that for however many uh students you'll have in the class and that's how much more you'll have to spend and or you know work into your contract uh, and again, uh, uh, most of the time we do this uh, at their sites. Uh, they, um, for the most part, if they don't have a training room, they usually do accommodate a, a, and make sure that they'll have something for where you can have the minimum uh, resources to teach, meaning access to the internet, uh, data projectors, computers, and all of those things. Okay. Um, now. What's important about this whole thing is that, that we all keep in mind that uh, 
these are non-apportionment generating uh, classes. And that has to be the first thing you talk about when you, when you uh, talk to the person who built this class into, into the system. And, and that, you know, again, I actually have a, a memo that I sent to this, these people, depending on who they are, telling them exactly how I want that class coded. Uh, and the first thing that I always have is, please check this as not claim for apportionment because that will get you in a lot of trouble with your um, CIA, your IT department once they, they start working on your MIS uh, uh, submission. Now, another couple of things that they have to uh, make sure that they click on, onto that uh, system once they're scheduling the classes to make sure that they waive all the student fees. At least that's what we do. I understand there are some people out there who charge that separately, and then they they uh, pay it separately to their uh, ANR departments. Uh, we don't. Uh, we just waive them, and uh, I charge that directly to our client. Uh, the other thing you have to make sure uh, that you do, uh, whether you're using banner, data tell, or whichever your enterprise system is is to make sure that this class is only available to your participants. Uh, so we use Banner here. And what we do, there's a special approval code that you can enter into the class itself at, at, you know, at the schedule level. And what it does is that all, you, you will select uh, the students who, who can uh, register into that course. So when the students see that, that class in the website, uh, they will be allowed to register if their ID number has been inputted into that class itself. So that's how we keep everybody else out of that those classes because number one, uh, if they see it, they'll try to register because of course students are always looking for open classes. And number two, especially if 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 it doesn't charge any fees, they'll be happy with that as well. So <laughs> got to make sure that it's always, always checked and, and that you, it, it, you know, again, if, if you're not using banner, then the, your system should have a mechanism to segment that and, and keep uh, others away. Uh, another thing that we also do with our classes is that we, we make notes within the schedule. We annotate as much as we can. And one of the things that we always, always put in there is that this is a contract funded class, not open to the general public and does not generate apportionment. So that people, if someone happens to run into this class when they're running a report, they'll see those notes and they'll understand that, uh, that there is a reason why it is not being claimed for apportionment. Now, uh, just just like any contract, uh, your client will tell you who who will be in that training, of course, right? Now, uh, the problem with this is that the the students going into the class will have to become students of your institution, meaning that they'll have to go to uh, CCCC apply and apply for school for the correct term also. And, and they will also need to uh, 
provide all all of their information in there. It, it just like applying to any other school themselves. Now, if there are prerequisites for this class, again, they will have to meet them. So, if there, if there is a pre-algebra class that has a uh, or uh, an a prerequisite, uh, they will have to meet it unless you know, they can prove to you that they can uh, handle the class and that then you go and, and try to get a waiver for them. But for the most part, uh, classes that have math prerequisites are hard to get waivers for, but other classes, it's a lot easier. Uh, but again, uh, that has to be taken care of before they even try to register. Otherwise, they will not be able to register and, and you'll have not only the company, but the students calling you because they can't work with the system. And for the most part, you know, it happens to be a, a prerequisite issue. At least that's what we found. Um, Paolo, may mm -hmm. I ask a question? What is that typical yes. application process timeline? Um, do, once they apply, is it an instant approval or is it? No, uh, no, it's not. That's a great question, uh, Margaret, because the students will fill out the application and and then after they submit, they will get an email to the email address they provided, uh, acknowledging the receipt of the application. And then that particular school can take anywhere from one to a couple, three days uh, to respond back and give them an answer. Uh, then from then, at least in our school, so they get accepted and then they are get told, okay, now, that you are accepted, this is your student ID from ALSAC, and, and these are the next steps for you to do. So in our do case... You, mm -hmm. Do you find that with some students you have to have a sort of a liaison person to hold their hand through that process? No, you don't find that. You have to have that. The person who is your contact at the company has to be in touch with you and the students and... Uh, and make sure that they follow the process one by one. So what, what we've done in the past is that whomever our contact person is, uh, will keep a, a running tally of who has submitted applications and who has been approved and who has uh, already gotten their student ID. So once they get their student ID, then you, you, you can move on to the next step. Uh, so uh, yeah. It's Thank really you. vital that you have someone who is put not only following up with the students, but pushing the students to get through the process. Because uh, if you don't do that, half of them will not get, get registered on time. And then that becomes an issue because uh, if they miss the deadline for registration, then you have to find, do a lot more paperwork and try to see if you can get them uh, uh, with, to do a late registration form after that. So and it sounds they, imperative to have that liaison at the client's office that will hold the hand of the, you know, the participant. You know, participant. Yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Thank yes. you. All right. Um, <laughs> Next slide. Yeah, next slide. Now, with uh, with the participants, uh, you know, you have to think about all the things that they'll need. Um, books, parking permits, um, also uh, directions on to how to drop the class if they have to. Uh, 
what we do usually in our contract is that if the if there are books uh, required for the class, uh, we first uh, approach the client and ask them if they want to get them themselves. But we rather just purchase the books our, ourselves. That way we know that we're getting the right edition and that we get them all on time. Uh, otherwise, uh, it, it may also become a problem uh, because uh, there are times when books are out of stock and maybe half the students can get them if they're doing it, if they're doing this individually or if the company's having someone do it. Uh, and we, for the most part, we can get them directly from the publishers, uh, which makes it a little easier to get. Uh, the parking arrangements, you know, if you're, ha if you're holding class on campus, uh, that has to be dealt with way ahead of time. Um, I, I basically I don't know how, how every campus operates when it comes to parking permits, but our campus it's really stingy when it comes to handing out parking permits. So for our students, we basically just have to purchase them. We purchase them from our campus uh, parking services, and, and then we just assign one to each of the students. Uh, which means that it, you know that once you purchase those, that that's an expense that is not returning. Because even if the student, uh, if there's one or two students who decide to drop the class, uh, you can't return the parking permits. Uh, so the, you know they're part of your expense. Uh, now, since I mentioned dropping, the students have the responsibility to follow through when they either feel they can't make it in the class or or that they just can't continue in the class, they have to go and drop themselves. Uh, we can't do it. The liaison can't do it. That is a uh, th that is a transaction that the student has to do him or herself. Uh, otherwise, what's going to happen is that they will have that A, B, C, D, F, whatever grade they get on record, and that'll be a permanent record unless they take the class again and, and, and get a better grade. Uh, so one of the things that we tell the students day one once the class starts is that it is their responsibility to drop the class. Uh, it is not their bosses or the liaisons or anybody else. If, if they find themselves uh, in a place where they need to drop the class, they have to do it, number one, themselves, and number two, they have to do it before the deadline for drop. Otherwise, uh, their record will be permanent. Uh, so in a nutshell, that's basically what we do. We, uh, uh, we kind of handhold the students through the registration process. Once we get them registered, uh, we make sure that they, they understand that they are officially students of the institution and that they are expected to perform and, and follow uh, instructor's instructions and to test and test well. They need to study just like anybody else. Uh, it is a free class for them, but it's not a class that's uh, a guaranteed passing grade unless they earn it. Uh, and again, that, that is uh, told to the students at least once, if not three times on the first day of classes. Uh, the other thing that I like to mention again is, is, is how important it is at the scheduling level 
to make sure that these classes are scheduled to not collect apportionment and to uh, waive the fees to the students. Uh, that way, the, their transaction will be clean and and uh, no um, um, invoices will be sent out uh, to each person, uh, each student uh, from the institution. And with that, I will, you know, wash. 20 minutes, awesome. Uh, with that, we can just have a few minutes uh, of questions and answers okay. and, and maybe share uh, some of other people's uh, experiences. Did you want to real quickly uh, cover the contract and payroll? Oh, I'm, I had another, oh, I'm sorry. You had another I thought that was my last one. You're pretty fabulous, Paolo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, oh. uh, gosh, now, Maybe I didn't want to talk about this. So <laughs> once once you find your 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 faculty person, uh, this person, even if if they are part of your faculty here, you have to get them approved through through your board, uh, only because it's a different assignment. Uh, it yes, it is a credit class that they teach uh, for the credit department, but this is a different assignment uh, that's being uh, funded through different funds. Uh, so you you gotta have them approved, uh, board approved, and then you draft a contract specific for that class for that uh, time frame, and have them sign that uh, for a specific uh, hourly rate, which is got to be at least the same as what they make in credit, uh, and, and that is really specific. It's not me making it up. It, it is what uh, what is required. So. Um, so, Carlo, when you're talking with your client and you're discussing the possibility of putting this class together and then you get to the proposal stage, mm -hmm. if you haven't selected a faculty yet, how do you know the appropriate amount, the hourly rate that you're going to be billing if you haven't selected the faculty and, and know what they're normally making in a four-credit class? Uh, you know, we... Uh, the way we formulate our our, uh, our fees are basically by instructional hour, and it's, a f it's kind of a fixed uh, number for us because it, it makes it gives me gives me a lot more flexibility. So a few dollars more or a few dollars less uh, uh, doesn't change my equation a whole lot, and, and that's the, one of the reasons why I like to have it that way. Uh, for the most part, I more or less. We already know more or less what uh, uh, faculty's hourly uh, uh, rates are. Okay. So, so you know, we we kind of go with that. Uh, but again, uh, I, I think sometimes the 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 some of the issues I found before hasn't actually been how much we're paying the faculty. Sometimes it's uh, finding someone who has the time to uh, to teach the class. And who can do it at the time when our client wants it? That has been actually the challenge in the past, making sure that we've, you know, because we you can have one or two people who might be interested in your class, but they may not be able to make it at the time when your client needs it. Mm -hmm. That that has always proven to be an issue and a challenge. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, and uh, so faculty do get paid. Uh, through the same um, payroll system that, that they get their credit course uh, assignments. Uh, but uh, what payroll does is that they draw uh, that portion of their salary 
from a different, uh, a different uh, account, in this case ours. So uh, to the instructor, uh, there's no difference uh, to them. They just see that those specific months when they're working with us, they do get uh, more money into their accounts coming from us only because they're teaching that extra class. Once that goes away, then uh, it goes back to whatever their normal uh, paycheck is. Okay. Uh, and uh, we we do have to turn in a a, um, a timesheet to payroll every month that we uh, report um, salaries for this faculty because they need also need to keep track of that. And again, because there are uh, faculty load issues and they need to make sure that uh, we don't go over. And Thank you, Paolo. Uh -huh. Thank you. I, I, does anybody have questions for Paolo? Yeah, this is Israel. Hey, Israel, how you doing? How are you? Hey, good, my good. question is, um, if you you covered this, but can you touch upon again a little bit on the coding mm -hmm. of the class and banner? We're now we we're using Canvas now. Okay. Um, and but with the coding of the class, so it it doesn't um, allow other students to register for the class. Exactly. And also, what information we had to put in uh, specific, you said the student ID yes. uh, into that. Can you cover that section a little bit more, please? Sure, sure, right sure. So, so basically, uh, again, so we don't want anybody else getting into those classes, and the students are registering themselves online. So that part is clear, right? Uh, but in the background, when we build the class, uh, there, there is in, in Banner, there is a place in there where you can go ahead and add to that specific CRM, to that specific class, a special approval section. And in that special approval, you enter each and every student's IDs so that uh, the system already knows that that is only for those IDs. So anyone with a different school student ID will not be able to register into that class. So it is a feature that Banner has, and I know Datatel has it also. Thank you, Paolo. Any other okay. questions? <laughs> okay. So, um, Paolo, thank you so very, very much. That was a great um, overview of this topic, and. Um, I'm just going to finish up with, we have some TAP updates. Um, our marketing toolkit, we promised that by the end of the year, and we did deliver it by the end of the year. So that's now on our Doing What Matters contract ed website. And uh, just to let you know, um, CETAP was invited to attend the Advanced Manufacturing Sector Strategic Planning Meeting, and I attended that along with Sandra Cisco, and I think is. Israel, were you there? I'm thinking. Yeah, about I sure was. Yes, thank you. Also, so I think I think Contract Ed was well represented at that, and then the health sector is going to be having their strategic strategic planning meeting on January 25th in Sacramento. So it's exciting to me that Contract Ed is at the table for these two sectors. Um, I am in the midst of um, writing up our next webinar, which will be February 13th at 11 a.m. And the topic is how to love your clients. There's many, many benefits when you don't have the churn of 
having to go out and attract new clients all the time. And we'll be talking about that on February 13th. And Faith Briley and I and Sandra Sisko and her team are meeting tomorrow in uh, Fontana to look at the facility, the hotel, the Hangse hotels, and the restaurant to plan your summit 2019. And that's going to be on May 14th and 15th at the Chafee Intech Center. And I right. um, think that's it for our updates. So, uh, Mario, yeah. I just wanted to say that, that if if there is anyone that has uh, any questions as to what we covered, uh, I'll be happy to you know individually talk to anyone who whenever they need, and I'm sure they can get my information from you. Yes, yes, and and thank you so much, Paolo. When you as an individual contract ed practitioner step up to help Faith and I conduct these webinars. We are greatly appreciative of it because the expertise is really out there in the field, and we we love to shine the spotlight on that. So, um, and, uh, yes. This is Dave Gatewood down in Huntington Beach. Um, Hi, I Dave. Just, I'm just noting in the chat room that Mark Mitchell and a couple of other people have put comments or questions in the chat room. And I don't know if we have time now to address Mark's questions, but he had a couple of really good ones in the chat. Okay, I apologize. I was closing that chat room because I, it kind of conflicts with this. So, uh, what are the costs to the clients? Was one of the questions, Paolo. Well, uh, it depends on on your operation. We we have our uh, we we charge uh, an hourly fee, an instructional hour hourly fee uh, to our clients, and then if there is curriculum development, uh, we put that on top at a different rate, but we have a, a kind of a fixed rate uh, for uh, every instructional hour. Uh, so we don't do it by the student, we just do it by instructional hour. Okay. And then Mark followed up with what type of courses are you providing for your business clients? And do you have a minimum number of students required? And do you provide certificates? Okay. So, uh, what type of courses? It depends. Uh, when it comes to credit courses, uh, for the most part, they have come to me directly and told me we need this. So, for example, Pomona Unified School District, uh, they have a large child development center. And the employees in that center, uh, just like anyone who works with children, have to have uh, continuous uh, professional development. And some of these professional developments include credit courses in child development. Uh, so they will come to me and tell me, hey, we need uh, this child development class for this group of people. Then you just do it. Uh, so again, for credit courses, for the most part, they already know what they want. They just come to you and tell you. Uh, there's only been one time when uh, we, uh, we decided to go with a, an English class rather than a math class. And this was for another client that uh, wa wanted to do one or the other. But other than that, it's usually prescribed. Then there was another part to the question, which do I you forgot. you provide certificates to the students? Uh, not for credit courses, because they are getting the credit. Uh, we have a couple of times done a, a certificate of completion. But then in that, we state that, uh, the, you know, we, we don't just 
are not providing this as a, oh, you got the credit. It's just you completed the class. Because they, you know, believe me, there are sometimes students who, you know, will ace the class, but you'll find the one or two who you really have to push just to get a C. And, you know, it's kind of a gray area. We, I, I, I don't offer certificates for credit courses, really, because they're getting their credit. But if, if they really need it, so we have provided a certificate of completion. And there was a third part to the question. Uh, minimum right. number of students required for the class or course. Uh, since we charge uh, an hourly rate, uh, we really don't care. Uh, we do have a maximum of 25, though. Uh, but um, we've had classes with 12 students. And, you know, they pay me the same whether they have 12 or 20. That's why I like the hourly rate. Thank you very much. And then if you, um, on the screen right now, Deborah Jones shared that they have provided construction management and business management courses, and I'm thinking that's an East Bay Municipal Utility District cohort, as well as medical terminology, IT, and a math course. We awesome. do not have a minimum number of students. The employer buys the class, and we have a rate for the class. That rate changes depending upon the size when we consider books, parking, etc. And Faith uh, Briley um, is sharing that once we have this audio from Zoom for our webinar, it will be posted to our Doing What Matters website. Okay, anything else um, for the good of the group or any other questions for Paolo? No, just, uh, uh, just, this is Israel, if you could send us his contact information um that'd be great because we are our college is, is going to be planning to deliver four credit contracted as, as well we haven't done it yet we've just delivered not for credit fee based uh but i want to make sure once we do i can reach out to paula and, and um, ask more questions paula would you like to share your is it p m a share it now let, let me go ahead let, first of all my uh, let me give you my phone number direct uh, to my desk 909-274-5234. Again, 909-274-5234. Then my email is p-m-a-d-r-i-g-a-l at m-t-s-a-c dot e-d-u. And you can always call Faith or myself. Our numbers and emails are up on the screen right now if you didn't catch that. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for a good webinar. And stay dry and uh, the rest of your day. I know it's raining in, throughout most of California. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paolo, again for your time. Right. You did a great job. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay.